Uh, good morning. I trust everybody had a blessed Thanksgiving. I think we all had families that met together. That was great. It's wonderful. All right. Well, open with me to First Thessalonians chapter four. We're going to continue on here. We're going to try and see if we can finish through uh, verse twelve today. And these verses are very applicable to today. Of course, the Bible's applicable today. It's, you know, same today, yesterday, and, and, and tomorrow. But, you know, this could be, you could be talking about today's activities going on. So uh, I'd like to read uh, verses 9 and 10. It says, But as touching brotherly love, ye know not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed ye do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you again. And thank you for the, the blessings that we gain from, from the scriptures, how we can apply them to our lives. Father, we can see the... the uh, resemblance to today with uh, what goes on in scripture and father we know that man's heart is evil and without you it can never change and father we thank you that when we have you as our savior that our heart is changed love toward one another is increased and father we live a life that's honoring to you in everything that we do and father we thank you for that we thank you that you you guide us with the holy spirit in so many different ways. We do ask, Father, that you'd have your way with this lesson, that it's a lesson that it's your words, not ours, that you would be glorified through it, and that we would not be lifted up, but, Father, that we would, but it would draw us closer and closer to you. And we ask it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So when we look at these verses, it's, uh, you know, uh, the Apostle Paul, as he starts out here, he said, you know, this is touching brotherly love. Uh, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves were taught of God to love one another. He's addressing the very basic uh, example when we get saved. Our heart changes. Uh, and as we go through here, we're going to see uh, the some, uh, we're going to do a little comparison here, but in the culture that was going on around the Thessal around Thessalonica, it was a culture of, of very clannish, very cliquish groups. Uh, we could see that when, when we were talking about uh, the church in, in Acts, how the Jewish synagogue was one group, and you had to do certain things to get into that group. Uh, the pagans were different. Uh, the Romans and the Greeks were separate from each other. And so this, this idea of brotherly love or love toward one another was basically foreign. And, and in that society, it was get all you can get. Do everything you can do. Um, and, of course, we, earlier we talked about impurity in, in the way the culture was. Well, you might as well say it's today's society. It's a very impure society. The whole goal of today is to get as much as you can get. Who cares what you do to somebody else? And if you like somebody, that's okay. But this love thing, and we don't quite fully understand it. The world doesn't. The world wants you to love them. And if you're a Christian, it's expected that you're supposed to be kind to them. 
because you're a Christian. But they're not kind to us. In fact, they're doing everything they can today to try to stamp out Christianity, to put God away. Any religion that calls God their God, they want nothing to do with. And so here, it's, it's uh, the, 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 the love that we, the, that's taught, or actually caught, if you want to put it that way, uh, is taught by God. The Holy Spirit works within us. You know, there's people that when you meet them, even as Christians, they might be very brash or very bold and straightforward, and you're looking like, oh, how can I like that person? And they're just, you know, just, they irritate me. They ask me things like, hey, how's your prayer life doing? <laughs> Ooh. Or, I prayed for you today, did you pray for me? I had a friend of mine, until he caught on what was going on, he had a friend in college, that's what he'd walk up to uh, in classes with him. He goes, I prayed for you today, did you pray for me? And he kind of catch him off guard and finally he started whether he did or not he says yes I did and then immediately would, would pray <laughs> He's, he was confessing to himself well, well I guess I should but you know think about that and I'm sure most of us here in our prayer life we hold each other up in prayer because we're concerned about our lives we're a small church and we want to see the gospel going forward and that's what they wanted to see there and, and their church was growing but sometimes we needed to be reminded what that brotherly love work came from and, and that it's not the teaching of men I mean people, you know, they can, you can go to classes you can, you can uh, and some people have a natural tendency to like people but it's not the same kind of like or love that we have when we have Christ and it's a love that, you know, that uh, wants us to grow more and more. And the Apostle Paul's encouraging him here that, you know, it's not taught, but it's not taught a bit, but God that we're to, to, to love one another. In fact, um, Romans 12, uh, 10 says, Be kindly, affecting, affection one to another with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another. And another is in Hebrews 13, one says, let brotherly love continue. And you can go through, you can probably do a, a nice word search on brotherly kindness, on love, and, and it'll give you a whole myriad of how this is supposed to be. You look at the, the uh, uh, fruits of the Spirit, it talks about uh, brotherly kindness and br brotherly love. And in, uh, as we go forward, we realize that that is intrinsic to us. And, and, you know, Paul is trying to let them know this is an example. You folks are an example, but you need to grow more and more. Continue. Don't stop where you're at. And for each and every one of us, it's, it's like, you know, we, we've said before, some people get saved and that's all the further they go. They don't go any further for the Lord because they, maybe they weren't taught. Maybe they're just stubborn in their own uh, internal being that they don't want to go any further or uh, you know then I maybe question their salvation but that's between them and God but that you know the evidences of a Christian in growth is that we love each other more and more and some people just are really hard like I say some people are very brash when you meet them or they're very forward or expecting things from you and sometimes it's it's very difficult in our flesh to respond to that in a brotherly love way and sometimes you just want to go 
you know, grab them real tight by the throat and shake them a little bit and say, you know, get real. Or do you expect people to respond to you every time you demand something like that? And as Christians, well, sometimes when we come to God, that's what we do. And sometimes he lets us wait a little bit for that answer to prayer. You know, we, we might boldly come to the throne of grace, and some of us come with a little too much boldness. But he loves us enough, and that kind of love should be within each and every one of us. And, and it's the, the influence that we have amongst each other. And, and like in, in, in John, it talks about, you know, that if, if you're a disciple, you'll love one another. And that's, that's an example of it. And the world can't accept that and doesn't really know how to respond when, you know, for instance, you come up to them and you share the gospel with them. I had one uh, guy that I worked with. He, in fact, he was in uh, one of the uh, suites that wasn't too far from the, where we were out on South 3rd. And I talked to him before about the Lord. And he was moving out of there and... Uh, and his business was a one that, uh, well, let's put it this way: talked about adult toys. But I was helping him move the stuff out of there. It, you know, I didn't. I told him, I said, I don't care what your business is. I said, you need some help. I'm going to help you. He says, well, Why would you do that? I said, Well, one, I can consider you a friend that I work with. I says, But you know, our church feels a responsibility to help somebody when somebody needs a hand. You know, we might stop at some things you know when we say well I can't help you in certain aspects but he was just moving out of the building and, and he was getting rid of material and just needed a hand he was all by himself happened to be doing some work at the church and so, but we had a nice conversation about the Lord about what, what God expects of his children and it gave him a different outlook on that he says so I don't know how you do that I said well I don't either but God does and sometimes that leaves an impression with somebody to want to know, why are you different? Why do you look on the good things? Yeah, as, as Christians, we should criticize some things that are counter to God, that are, that are not right, and we should speak out about that, but we should do it in a way that is, is not going to chase somebody away. And, and that's, that's the goal. You know, uh, 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 this, the, the idea of brotherly love, they were an example in, in all of Macedonia. And, and they were one of the few people that responded to Paul. And so here they were to look at it. It wasn't that they were without love. Their love toward all the brethren was well known. And that's what the Apostle Paul was trying to let them know that, yeah, it's well known, but don't stop there. And it's like each and every one of us. Don't stop where we're at. Don't say, well, you know, I got everything I need to know from God. I don't need to go any further. And that's when God will teach you a different lesson. He'll let you know that you need to go further. Somehow, it's going to go, go through there. And, and so it's very important, and that's what the Apostle Paul was trying to, to um, get them to do, is to continue. And, you know, like all of these lessons, they're dealing with moving. And, and with this one, it's, you know, getting up to speed. So as a Christian... Our, our goal is that we do not get 25 miles an hour on the freeway in the far left lane. <laughs> That's the wrong thing to be doing. That would not set a good example. But the idea is that we, we continue to grow. And when we grow, that growth allows us to share and share as we go forward.
But then again, as, as we go further with this lesson, it's uh, verse 11 tells us, uh, well, the first one, when we look at it, you know, tells us, you know, by loving brothers and then now living a quiet life. And this one really applies to today. In 1 Thessalonians 4.11, it says, And ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you that you might walk that you may walk honestly toward them that are without and that you may have lack of nothing and that's very prevalent today we have people that well if you look at this you know they're not quiet and in fact in, in Thessalonica when Paul was there what happened they had a mob and it was a, a group of people that, uh, that loved to uh, incite a riot. And, and well, we saw that in Portland. We saw it all around the country. Why did they want to do it? Because, oh, hey, it's something different to do, and I really don't like what's going on, so I'm going to go out and destroy things. And a Christian should not be involved with, with things like that. Yeah, and, and, and in fact, if, if you look at how a Christian should respond, we should respond in such a way that we don't create a riot but we should respond in such a way that we show that hey that's not right what you're doing and we 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 need to realize that when we do things our, our life is to be quiet it's to be different and you know they uh, as you look through here the the study you know i looked up a few things about this it means that we're to have aspirations or an ambition in life and as Christians, we do have an ambition. Our life is modeled around becoming the image of Christ on, the, on earth, as close as we can be until we're called home. And then we'll gain that glorious body, and we will be that image. But here on this earth, our life should be quiet. It should be different. It shouldn't be loud and boisterous like the world is. It shouldn't be, you know, I mean, it's one thing to stand out and, and to... Uh, voice your opinion on something and sometimes you might have to voice it loudly but doing it in such a way that you're not destroying something or someone and and what happens is is that that life uh, contradicts the successfulness that the modern world looks at or even back then and in fact I found some comparisons here uh, you know in the world you have entertainment and excitement you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with entertainment and excitement, but it's all in how you apply it. Does it become prominent in your life? You know, and often people are addicted to uh, the excitement and uh, entertainment. Some people are adrenaline junkies. They love to go out and, you know, whatever can get a thrill in their life. And, well... There's some points where we do that. I think Lisa and I were talking about, you know, as we get a little older, some of our past lives let us live what we did as we were younger. I'm living a lot of that now, and I think a lot of us see that. Uh, and was it wrong, some of the stuff we did? Well, it all depends on what it was and how we were doing it. But, you know, to, to uh, the entertainment and, and excitement world, their religion is, is that of their God is self. They're living for themselves. They go out and do things, uh, and you ask people why they do them. 
hey, because I enjoy it. Because it is fun and, and I like that. Their religion basically calls their priests those celebrities. You know, who's the role model today and uh, to the average person in the world? It's a celebrity. And the world listens to them rather than listening to what God has to say. They're, um, yeah, you could even say uh, their prophets are the music videos, for instance, or things like that. Uh, their scriptures, mm, well, you know, the tabloids, uh, entertainment news, uh, social media, television, you can name it. That's, you know, that's where their, their scriptures come from. Uh, their places of worship, well, we can, you know, think of that. Amusement parks, theaters, sports arenas, although in today's society, you know, sitting at home watching your television at that sports arena, you know, uh, and basically... Our, our computers, television, any way that we can observe that. And we've said it before, some of these by themselves, they're not a problem until you start inserting it in such a way that it overtakes your love for the Lord or what you do in life. Maybe, you know, it, you know it's not wrong to watch football games, but if you're using that as your excuse to miss church, well, it's probably become your religion. And and it's easily done. People do that. Some people pick up uh, a new hobby, and all of a sudden it starts filtering into their life such that it starts overtaking study in the Bible, their prayer time, their church time, meeting fellowship. It's so very important, and the world looks at that as a religion, literally. And so it, it doesn't become a quiet life anymore. As a Christian, you know, we study, we spend our time in prayer. And it says we need to live a quiet life so we can uh, really take the time and give attention and listen to God. And it's so important. And we, we want to know God better. And by doing that, it's, it's a quiet life. And like I said, those hobbies are not wrong in and of themselves, but they could be such that they become a God. And some of the people as they were looking through here in verse 11 it says and do your own business evidently some of the people that were in Thessalonica uh, well uh, as I was going through the lesson guide talked about people that gave up all the jobs that they were doing and, and the livelihood they had and just said I'm waiting for the Lord to come back I'm going to stop working God's going to take care of me and I'm going to live a life that Waiting for God. And, and I think there were some, uh, what was it, uh, Campbellites, I think they called it back in the 1800s, where they gave up everything because that may have made a, 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 a prediction that God is going to arrive on this date. You guys get ready. Well, we're supposed to be ready. We're supposed to be watching. But we don't know that date. But these people gave up everything and waited. Of course, when that date came, it came and went. Uh, who was the guy that was down in uh, Harold Campy? He kept predicting for the longest time. Of course, he said, now don't give your jobs up. Just keep doing what you're doing. He says, I'm reading through here, and this is what I personally see. And, of course, that date came and went. It kind of went, oh, okay. And, of course, we had the predictions here a few years ago. You know, when we get to 2012 on this September, whatever, the world's going to end. Well, 
How many years ago was that? <laughs> All these people are making predictions and, and they're convincing people, hey, give up everything you got and wait for the Lord. Be ready to go. Well, we're supposed to be ready to go. We're supposed to be watching. But we're also supposed to be doing his business. We're supposed to be on, on the earth doing it. But yet, there were a few people that gave up their livelihood, evidently, or maybe never worked. And what were they doing with that? They were becoming very idle. Their um, livelihood all of a sudden went from, uh, you know, w going to work every day and spending the time like they should, now to sitting around a, in a, well, I don't know if they had coffee shops back then, but they sat around and discussed, and all of a sudden, rumors started coming up. So they were minding other people's business. They were getting, oh, did you hear about so-and-so? Yeah, we didn't see him in church last week. You know, I heard that. And the rampant gossip that goes through. And, and it's, they were meddling in other people's lives. They even, you know, well, I'm, I'm going to go check on so-and-so and see how they're doing. Now, it's good to check on people as Christians. We need to do welfare checks on somebody maybe that's been not feeling well, but these people evidently were inserting themselves in their lives. Well, you know, you need to be doing such and such instead of laying in that bed thinking that you're sick. Or, you know, you need to be doing this, that, what. Some way of meddling in their lives. And all of a sudden they went from being, you know, uh, people that, that love the Lord and want to do the Lord's work to all of a sudden now they're, they're being busybodies. They're in somebody's life. You know, and there's a difference between, you know, like I said, checking on somebody and, and, and having a concern for their welfare. You know, may, I heard you've been sick. Is there anything we can do? And, you know, here we've done that. People have maybe gone to the hospital and it's, hey, let's get together with some folks and get some meals over to them. Uh, maybe go clean their house for them if they need it. Uh, or, you know, asking them first because some people are very picky about how their house is cleaned. But you want to do things for them and do them in such a way that you're showing brotherly love. Not, okay, I want to see what's really going on in your life. Oh, do you know when I was taking their trash out, I saw this stuff in their trash that really ought now to be there for a Christian and da, da 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 you know, all sorts of stuff. I mean, you know, people can get that idea. They're, they're putting um, their interests, you know, under the guise of, yeah, I'm really looking out for that person. I want to help them. In reality, they're meddling. And, uh, you know, some people kind of chuckle about preachers when they get to the right part of their sermon and all of a sudden somebody, <clears throat> he's meddling again. Or somebody, when they're teaching, they might bring something up that all of a sudden sparks somebody in, in their mind. That person's meddling. Not really. The Lord just presented it to you how you needed to be taking the lesson. But these people, actually, they were they were doing things that they shouldn't be doing and maybe they initially they started out with the well-intended but they weren't minding their own business and you know and, and this is as we commanded you I think in the Proverbs it talks about tail-bearing and gossip and things like that well the Apostle Paul pointed out don't you know don't be poking your nose in where people don't want you to be because they might cut your nose off or rearrange your nose for you <laughs> if you get it wrong but you know <laughs> yeah so Paul you know Paul was saying however it does not mean that every individual is to mind his own business in such a way that they are to live apart from one another because there are some people that no matter what you do if you help them it'll drive them further away because 
I don't take no charity from anybody. Okay, no, we're not giving charity. We're just you know asking, can we give you a hand? Or in such a way that that they 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 don't create idleness. And in some groups, it's really good for them to be out working. Otherwise, they would be creating problems. That's why a, a, a lot of times in you know you, uh, if you have a lot of teenagers, for instance, it's nice to get a, a work group together. Or you know some some churches are able to put together um, mm -hmm. groups that that can maybe help single women uh, tune their cars up. I think uh, uh, Charlie's uncle used to do that kind of a thing. You know, for people, he would help. He would help people in things like that. That's not meddling in their affairs. It's helping. It, but it's when we go in there and we start, you know, pointing out, oh, you know, you shouldn't be doing touch and touch. But you know, it's 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 very important, and it and it's important that we not neglect others. That's what the Apostle Paul is trying to point out. We don't want to neglect them, but we just don't want to be a burden in, in, in a way that we become so friendly with them that we know everything going on in their lives. And we're to mind our own business and make it such that we study and, and we learn. Maybe somebody does need some help. Maybe they need some encouragement as a brother and sister in Christ. Maybe, maybe something has happened in a bit of depression. You know, a lot of illnesses, a lot of times, people uh, go into depression. Right now, during all, all of the, this gobbledygook going on with uh, the pandemic, there, people are concerned about depression and people being isolated, and it's important to check up on them. Maybe it's just a phone call. Maybe that's what, you know, and it's good. There's other groups out there that get so completely isolated, they don't want anything to do with it. So it's, it's important, you know, but we don't want to be part of, of a mob that goes about creating problems for other people. We want to make sure that what we're doing is, is such that it moves the love of Christ forward. And when we do that, we're helping others. It's not becoming uh, a, uh, a burden on them. And then it says that uh, to work with your own hands. And we have so many people today that, well, it's, it's wonderful when somebody goes from welfare to being doing a productive life. The system was initially designed such that people that needed it utilized it. Now it's become a livelihood. Some people on, on welfare can make some really good money, I've, I've been told. I don't know. Never had to worry about it. I'm thankful that the Lord's always been able to make it such that I could have an, uh, a viable employment and, and not have to worry about subsistence from somebody else I mean I, I did have a benefactor when I was going to college that turned out to be the, the manager of the company that I worked for he says hey if, if the classes you're taking you come in here and you tell me how that class is benefiting what you're doing for me he says I'm paying half your tuition it's like wow HR got a hold of him and said you can't do that he goes it's my money I can do what I want to do with it he says so leave me alone and he felt that strong about that. And so we'd sit down and discuss it because what was interesting, he did the same thing as he was getting his degree a, a few years earlier. He said, I'm just paying it forward, I guess. But there's times when people refuse to work. And right now, with a good example of pandemic going on, 
when they were getting that little extra money per week, that was putting people that were at minimum wage into a nice salary level. They actually got a pay raise by going on unemployment. And a lot of people says, I'm not going to work anymore. I'm expecting that check to keep coming in for me. And, it, and it's not right. And when a job opportunity comes up, they weren't going to take it. Well, not unless you're going to give me this amount of money. Well, <clears throat> your skill set doesn't put you there. I showed my wife the other day. We were laughing about a, a picture. This guy had uh, applied for a welding position, and he gave the guy two welds. One of them looked kind of choppy and messed up, and the other one just looked really beautiful. And of course, the guy told him that the, the, the pay range was between $15 and $30 an hour. He says the top one's the $15 an hour one. The bottom one's the $30 an hour one. Which one do you want? The guy. <laughs> so he laid it out for him. You know, you're either going to, I have the skills to do the, the top one. And it's important. If people can do the work, they need to work. If they're healthy and able to do, they should do it. They need to be productive. They don't need to be idle. But there are some people out there that can't work, that won't be able to, for whatever reason. Although it's amazing now with, with uh, some companies, they're taking people that have uh, mental handicap skill uh, and, and finding positions for them to feel prevalent. We've got a, uh, a lady we went to church with at Riverside. Her daughter's uh, uh, been uh, handicapped since birth. She's 60 now. <laughs> but she works for a group out here um, that she does house cleaning. They find tasks that they're able to do. And she thought it was so great when she got that position. She goes, Mom, I'm taking you to dinner. I'm loving this. And she likes the fact that she can do something instead of sitting at home watching her television and drinking her tea and just doing nothing. She has something that she's able to do. There should never be a reason for somebody to ever quit working. You know, some people can't. Uh, maybe they one job they get to a point physically they can't do it they should be moved to, they should try something else but the uh, god called us to be workers genesis 2:15 says and god took the man and put him in the garden of eden to dress it and to keep it genesis 3:19 and the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread until thou return to the ground for out of it thou was taken for dust thou art, unto dust thou shalt return. And that's important for us. We should be able to be productive in society. Some people are able to be more productive than others. And that's what they call, it calls them to helping others. Maybe somebody's not quite where they should be, but maybe they have the opportunity where they can teach or, or, or be able to help. Our missionaries, for instance, they go out and go on deputation. They ask for support. Some missionaries are fortunate that came from a good working background. They might have a good retirement. It says, I'm going on the mission field. And oh, by the way, I have 100% support because I'm going to support myself when I go out in the field. Some people have been able to do that. Others can't. So they're thankful when others help in that way. And as a church, each, each of us have that opportunity when we look at that. This month has been uh, uh, set aside as, as missionary appreciation. You know, we talk about our, our mission support. And I'm thankful that we give of 
from giving hearts. And churches should do that. There's some that, that, that can really support a lot. There's others that support a little bit. But every person should be able to work in such a way that this is in verse 12, they may walk honestly toward them that are without. In other words, it would be an embarrassment if everybody in a church didn't work and expected somebody to, to support them and then go out and try to witness to somebody and that person says, oh, what do you do for a living? Oh, you know, the church supports me or such and such supports me. It doesn't, not a very good testimony when, when you think about it. If the person truly is not able to work or not have the, the mental, physical capabilities to work, that's one thing. But if a person is able to work, they need to be working. And today's society doesn't promote that. They want you to, you know, wealth redistribution. Let the wealthy guys give you the money so you can, we can send you a check so you're comfortable. Europe's finding out that that does not work because eventually you run out of other people's money. That's what happened. Greece, it happened in. Several other countries actually went bankrupt because of that. Because people demanded, oh, I don't have to work anymore. Get to a certain age. And it's, and it's important that we are productive. Because if you're not working, you're that person doing the busybody thing. You're not minding your own business. And it, it, it's, it's so important that we do that. And as we do that, we need to live a life as an example lacking nothing. When we go through there, we are trusting the Lord to provide for us completely the job skills that, that are in this room are just amazing. And I think every one of us are thankful for the positions that we have because God has put us in those positions. You know, I'm thankful uh, for the skill sets that I learned uh, throughout my life. And I enjoy using them in, in ways. I mean, I'm supposed to be retired. I've retired twice. And so I says, oh, well, I can't really stop doing that. You know, so I have a small consulting business. And it helps in, in some things. It gives, like it says, you know, lacking nothing. And it says, you may walk honestly toward them that are without, that ye have, may have lack of nothing. And it's, you know, in such a way as we have a good form. Some people, when they retire, they pick up hobbies and they stay active. Mine was a different hobby. A lot of us find that we're productive. God wants us to be productive. Honestly, I, I, I think God never meant for us to ever stop working. You know, I've known of Sunday school teachers that are in their 90s, knocking on doors on a regular basis, not allowing their age to stop them. They wanted to be productive. And, and the whole of that is, is the Apostle Paul stressing that he wants us to continue to grow that when we grow, that we're not stopping and becoming idle. It's like watching a tree. And until a disease comes or it gets cut down for whatever reason or the wind knocks it over, a tree is, continues to grow all the time. And when you, when you think about that, I don't know if you've ever seen too many uprooted trees, but a lot of these live oaks or uh, valley oaks that we have around here, they've got a really huge root system. And I remember some of them not being too big when I was younger, and a lot of them are really big now. A lot of them I've watched fall over. I've seen a lot of them, huge limbs break because of rot. 
And all the while, they continue to grow. And that's what God expects from us. Until he calls us home, we're to continue to grow. We're never to stop. He wants us to, 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 to continue to grow in such a way that we can help provide others that are not able to, to maybe fully provide for themselves. You know, like we talked about our missionaries. Or maybe, um, you know, some people make enough money, they can be very benevolent in the use of their money. It, it, it's exciting. And when people get to that point, they realize growing in Christ means that, that I'm helping, that I'm doing. I'm not, even though it's been done for us, the work doesn't stop afterward. Not that it's going to get us any further into heaven because we're already there because of salvation. The work that we're doing now just lets God see, okay, where's that person's heart? And a working person, one that's living for the Lord, their heart is aimed for others because God's going to take care of them while they help others. But not to the neglect of their family. But he'll make sure that if we're honest about it, that we'll put the time that we need in our study, in our prayer time, in helping others, in fellowshipping. And, and, and it's so important that we continue to grow. And some people say, well, you know, that's kind of like socialism, isn't it? You know, when you're helping others? Well, no, not really. Because uh, in socialism, somebody else is paying the bill. And you're expecting that. But you're getting what they give you, not what you're able to do. And that's what I'm thankful that God has given skill sets to us. He's given people the health. He's given those that have the desire to work the ability to do things. Like I mentioned, a friend of ours whose daughter's been handicapped her whole life. She has a functional job and until she's not able to do that anymore. Same with some of us. Health might stop us from doing certain things, but we look at other things in our lives. And that's all God expects from us is on this earth we keep working working to bring people to the Lord to lead them there and to help support when we can let's pray Father we thank you again for the blessings that you give to us we thank you Father that uh, you guide us and direct us in our walk Father I'm thankful for this group here that is industrious that there is no idleness father there's times of rest that you give to us the father the work that you expect from us is such that we want to further your gospel we want to glorify you in all that we do and father i'm thankful for that and i do pray that as we walk this earth that our witness gets stronger and stronger and we draw closer and closer to you and that's all you ask of us is that we we draw closer to you, and as a result, our love grows stronger and stronger, not only for you, but toward each and every one of us. We learn to pray for each other. We learn to cry with each other, and we help where we can. And, Father, we ask all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And I think Brother Chris has it now. <laughs>